Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. I know this has been a tough week in Texas agriculture, but we sure appreciate you tuning in to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And boy, this week, there's a lot of news to talk about. We're reporting from the Piney Woods of East Texas all the way out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the freezing cold panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Temperatures dropped below zero on the Texas High Plains earlier this week. How are Texas dairies coping? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag today. They do call it winter wheat, but for some fields in the Texas High Plains, this week's conditions may prove to have been a little too wintry. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories along with Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Preparation and experience have helped Texas dairymen weather the cold temperatures, ice, and snow here in Texas this week. Jessica Domel has more. Dairyman James Hancock of Muleshoe says the temperature dropped down to negative two Monday at his dairy, but they were prepared. Had to buy heaters for all the barns, had to make sure all the water troughs had a little bit of water running so none of the piping froze so that the cows could have water all the time. Had to make sure all our trucks were plugged in so our trucks would start in the morning, our feed trucks and those kinds of things. But other than that, has been pretty much any kind of cold weather preparation. His dairy has wind breaks on the north side of the pens to keep the cold air off of cattle. After winter storm Goliath in 2016, Hancock put in another barn to help keep cattle warm. Hancock is also feeding the cattle more. He said right now, it's all about keeping the cows and the people warm and healthy. We're doing our best to make sure that everybody's at least semi-comfortable. We put heaters in all of our milk barns for our guys to make sure that no one's too cold. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Livestock producers all over Texas have been working overtime this week to help their animals make it through this cold blast. Cody Kniper raises cattle, sheep, and goats in Kendall County, just north of San Antonio. We've been out checking, see how the livestock held up. We've been putting out a lot of hay for them today. There's so much snow on the ground, they can't find anything to eat. And they need, a, they need some feed so that they can stay warm. So far, they've held up pretty well. Kniper says the temperatures have dropped into the single digits in his area of the state. What effect is the freeze having on winter wheat here in Texas? James Hunt takes a look from the panhandle. With the streak of consecutive days below freezing reaching epic proportions in the Texas High Plains, there is a threat of winter kill for area wheat, at least for some of it. Ockeltree County Extension Agent Scott Strawn in Periton says just how vulnerable individual wheat fields are could come down to what are essentially timing factors. We've had a cold enough winter that most of this wheat hasn't taken off and started growing yet. So it's still pretty much in the dormancy stage. 
most of the earlier planted wheat, say if it was planted September, early October, it's big enough and has enough root development that it should survive. But any wheat that was planted in later October, early November, now it's a little more immature and the root system isn't quite as developed. So we could lose some of that wheat because it's just smaller, not as deeply rooted where those roots are insulated. What moisture conditions were present before the snow began to hit the region over the weekend could also come into play. A lot of fields are dry. You know, they were dry before this, so you kind of get a freeze-drying effect on a lot of this wheat, and it'll kill it. But some of the fields that have a little more moisture, especially irrigated fields, they should come out of it. Despite the threat the bitter chill is posing, Strawn is trying to be optimistic. Unfortunately, there will be some field affected in a big way, but I'm going to say that's going to be a small percentage. Strawn says where damage has occurred could be evident as early as next week, which at least would give affected farmers the benefit of a little heads up at what is a critical point in the season. We're at the time of year where these producers are trying to make some management decisions as far as do I add more fertilizer, do I spray weeds, and that sort of thing. So the symptoms will show up quick enough for them to consider that in their decision-making, too. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sub-freezing temperatures have blanketed all of Texas this week, including as far south as the Rio Grande Valley. We're joined today by Dale Murden. He's president of Texas Citrus Mutual in the Valley. Dale, tell me how cold it's gotten down there in the Rio Grande Valley this week. We got down to 21 degrees for several hours. And our old rule of thumb is if we spend more than five or six hours under 28 degrees, we're probably going to suffer fruit damage. Uh, maybe not necessarily tree damage, but fruit damage. We've got a, a, a situation right now where we've probably got 55% of our current crop remaining on the trees, but we were also just starting to bloom to form our new crop for next year. So we're going to see a little damage on both ends. Tree damage, too early to tell. Uh, there might be some dieback. The, the big unknown for us is we've got more freezing temperatures tonight and then again Thursday night, Friday morning. Well, Dale, I know this is an event that's actually going to be felt all the way through 2021. Right. Going into next year with a lighter crop poses its challenges and problems. You know, you're still going to have the same costs going into it, but also you go into it knowing you're going to have less crop to be able to sell to the public. So it's just got to all be thought through and evaluated at this point, but uh, it is what it is and, and we'll deal with it. Well, how did the citrus crop look there before all of this cold weather hit? This year's been an unusual year to begin with. We've had droughts. We've been in a drought for several years now. Then remember we had Hurricane Hannah. And at that yeah. time, we estimated we lost 10 to ten to 20% of the crop at that time. All things considered, we were having a pretty good year. Prices were good. Quality was good. The remaining fruit on the trees after the hurricane was good. And then the St. Valentine's Day massacre hit. Well, and let's hope that it isn't too bad of a massacre, but do you feel like this may put an end to some citrus growers there in the valley? Yeah, I do. I think some of the smaller growers will have to really evaluate uh, their desire to grow citrus moving forward after this. Some of the groves were getting older, compounded with the greening disease and, and other issues that we've faced. But I do. I do think that, that some of the smaller growers will uh, probably discontinue growing citrus in their futures. There's always going to be a commercial industry down here, and we've still got some growing businesses down here that are very committed to the industry. And had actually been planting new citrus in the last couple of years. So we'll hope that that weathers the storm and they can keep going, and South Texas grapefruit will still be here for you. That's Dale Murden, president of Texas Citrus Mutual in the Rio Grande Valley.
The freeze has put a damper on any prospect of corn planting in central Texas for now, but that should change quickly. Tom Nicoletti has more. We go to Central Texas, and Dr. Shane McClellan with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service in Waco is with us. Shane, uh, corn planting season in Central Texas is not too far away, uh, as uh, the farmers down in uh, the Rio Grande Valley are underway with their corn planting. Uh, Here, they're still in preparation mode, but uh, it'll be here before we know it, right? Yes, it will, and we've been too wet for farmers to get into fields. Farmers are putting out their pre-fertilizer, and they're, they're getting ready to plant. You know, this time last year, we were well underway corn planting. Just uh, soil temperatures are a little too too cold and too wet right now for, for corn planting in our area. But I expect them to be started in the next seven to ten days. Central Texas and a lot of uh, the regions of Texas are in a, a real cold time of the year with temperatures plummeting. But uh, regardless, uh, you know, people are still looking at uh, from a landscape standpoint, people are kind of anxious to get out there, but it's still uh, still winter time. They really are, me, me included. Uh, we've got some warm, sunny days, you know, like 60, 70 degree days, but the nights are cool. And it's really easy to be lulled into a sense of, well, it's springtime, and you want to put out herbicides and do some things in your yard and garden that you just really don't need to yet. Uh, it is time to put out a pre-merge product to control some weeds, broadleaf weeds and grasses from emerging. However, it's still too early to be putting out a post-top product. A lot of our liquids, especially, the ground is just too cold. Uh, and and we got to remember, if you want to set out different products, different vegetables, it's just too cold. The, the ground's not warm enough. Then, of course, our nighttime temperatures are really what, what sneak up on us and surprise us. As we're talking about the soil, uh, Shane, topsoil moisture uh, looking good in central Texas, but uh, subsoil moisture not so much. Yeah, we had a good bit of rain in, in the month of January, more than normal. However, a lot of it was just a slow drizzle or a half an inch, a tenth, just small amounts over time, not a lot of big rains that were large amounts in volume. And that has affected a lot of our stock tanks as well. Is they, they have water, but typically our stock tanks are full this time of year. Uh, just not a lot of large rains. Appreciate the, the topsoil moisture. It'll, it'll help us get our crops going, but uh, not a lot for, for diesel moisture. Uh, stock tanks for cattle remain low at this point here in February, so uh, certainly uh, you know some moisture levels uh, need to uh, increase in that category. They really do, and I I honestly don't like to be dry in the winter months. You know, I don't like the stock tanks low either. I just kind of use that winter as a as my own personal barometer for what the season is going to provide, and I I hate to haul water to livestock, and I sure would like our stock tanks to be full this time of year. You know, our our winter pastures aren't offering a lot of grazing to livestock. Some, but the, the January rains and then daytime temperatures, it's been off. I uh, haven't had a lot of just daily sunshine, and we need that sunlight coupled with moisture to get those cool season grasses and, and annuals growing. And they're starting to grow now to offer a little bit of grazing, but it's kind of late. You know, usually we would have that in December, early January. All right, Jane, thanks for that report. Thank you, Tom. That again is Dr. Shane McClellan with uh, Texas AgriLife Extension uh, Service in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The annual Crab Trap Cleanup event begins on the Texas coast this Friday. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag today. And if you have a horse that's not performing well, determining what's wrong can be difficult to diagnose. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm Doster Harper, president of the National FFA Organization, and I'm from the state of Georgia. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your horse isn't performing well, figuring out the exact cause can be a difficult task. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Decreased performance is difficult to diagnose. We're not talking about an obvious lameness, but a subtle difference like a barrel horse being a second slower than the usual time. Is this horse hurting or is the horse just not running as hard for another reason? One study revealed that over 500 horses were believed to be sound with no lameness by the owners. And yet over 50% of them had some lameness when examined by a veterinarian. An ethogram has been developed that examines facial expression and other behaviors from 24 points, such as head and ear position, eyelids, mouth expression, tail position, and others, to determine if the horse is in pain. This scale was successful in determining pain after a nerve block numbs the pain and the exam was performed again. Another older method of determining if the horse is in pain is using the drug Bute as a trial to see if the horse improves on this anti-inflammatory. Bute is effective at controlling pain in the legs in many cases, but is less effective at controlling pain in the neck or lower back. So just because a horse does not improve on Bute does not mean there's no pain. And sacroiliac pain is really difficult as it rarely causes lameness, but commonly causes poor performance and is difficult to diagnose without nerve blocks. Some of these horses with subtle lamenesses need to be ridden under saddle to see the lameness, but also consider the saddle or rider's position can contribute to poor performance. Other causes of poor performance not related to pain or behavior include heart or respiratory issues as well as muscle disease. So these cases of poor performance without obvious lameness can be difficult to diagnose. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The annual Crab Trap Cleanup event begins on the Texas Gulf Coast this Friday. Jessica Domel has more on the event in today's Wildlife Report. Volunteers are needed for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's annual crab trap cleanup on the Texas coast. From Friday, February 19th through the 28th, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department closes Texas coastal waters to crabbing with wire mesh traps for the annual cleanup event. During that time frame, any traps left in Texas bays, including those that are tied to docks, are assumed to be abandoned and are considered litter under state law. That allows volunteers to go in and legally remove any crab traps that may be fouling shrimpers' nets, snagging anglers' lines, ghosting fish, and creating unsightly views. The goal of the coastwide effort is to remove all of the crab traps that have been lost or abandoned since last year's cleanup. Due to the pandemic, volunteers are encouraged to wear masks and socially distance during the cleanup. Free tarps, gloves, face coverings, and additional information are available at TPWD Coastal Fisheries field stations. Volunteers are encouraged to log any traps they remove and submit the information to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. They're also encouraged to report any diamondback terrapin sightings. Only wire mesh crab traps will be removed during the cleanup days. All other legal means of crabbing are not affected during the cleanup effort. 
A list of coastal fisheries field stations and crab trap drop-off sites is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That is tpwd.texas.gov tpwd.texas.gov. Click on media and then news releases. Again, that website is tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle and grain markets took a drop on Wednesday, but that cotton market just continues to inch toward 90 cents. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Anna Mathis from Arkansas. Because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, the FFA impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was definitely a down day in the cattle complex on Wednesday. We closed lower in both live and feeder cattle futures. February live cattle dropping 85 cents, 115.30. The April down a dollar 65, 124.15. June live cattle down a dollar seven at 120.62. Even bigger losses in feeder cattle. March feeders dropped 235 to close at 138.42. April feeders down a dollar 85, 142.75. May feeder cattle down 95 cents at 145.25. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Wednesday. However, we did have the online fed cattle exchange, which we normally have every Wednesday. No sales to report. We had 1,194 head of Texas cattle listed in that sale. The bids ranged as high as 113, but that just wasn't high enough to buy any cattle, so no sales reported in the online fed cattle exchange. Boxed beef prices higher choice up a dollar fifty nine, two thirty six thirty six, select up three fifty five, two twenty five fifty eight. Well, this week's cold blast has caused many of our auction barns to shut down across Texas, but we can take a look back at some of last week's sales. Here's Larry Marble walking the pens. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Ken Jordan about the sale he had in San Saba Thursday. Ken, how'd that last sale you had go? You bet, Larry. We ended up having right at 750 head today, even with the freezing conditions and cold temperatures we had. The market was uh, still in very strong demand, a lot of activity, but I think with his weather conditions, they're deteriorated. I thought today we saw the stalker steers and the stalker heifers begin the week was steady, first of the week, and then today we probably saw them in the uh, $10 to $12 to uh, $12 cheaper today. I thought the stalker steers were probably 5 to $6 cheaper. Our feeder steers overall, I thought they were 5 to 7 lower. Heifers were 2 lower after being steady at the first of the week. We did see a real strong increase on packer cows again, five dollars higher today. Top cow at seventy-eight, and bulls were right at three dollars higher, with a high bull at ninety-four today. The fourteen Martin Bruny Ranch Brangus bulls averaged thirty-five seventeen and ranged from thirty-one hundred up to forty-two fifty. The twenty-seven really good Cannon Ranch Charlet bulls they averaged thirty-five fifty, selling from twenty-seven hundred up to thirty-six hundred. A lot of activity on the bulls today, Larry. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. Give us a call, Larry. Code three two five three seven two five one five nine. 
Island. Also, we are getting ready next week for that female sale. Looks like we have maybe in the 60 degree temperatures next Saturday on the 20th. So keep that in mind. We've got about 2,500 head for it. All our listings are up on our website, Larry, at uh, jordancattle.com. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. You've been listening to Ken Jordan and me, Larry Marble, on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Back over to the futures market, lean hogs finishing lower on Wednesday. April hogs down a dollar twenty-seven, eighty-four ninety. The May down eighty-five cents, eighty-seven forty-two. Class three milk was lower. February milk down a penny at fifteen sixty-three. March down fifteen cents, sixteen fifty-five. A hundredweight. The cotton market traded both sides of the market in a fairly slow and quiet trade. However, we did end up closing slightly higher. March cotton up 24 points, 88.36. The May contract up 33, closing at 89.93. December new crop cotton up 19 points to finish at 85 cents even. The wheat market closed lower, giving back much of that big gain that we saw on Tuesday. Of course, the big news in the wheat market right now, what effect are these cold temperatures and winter conditions going to have on the winter wheat crop? It may be a while before we know exactly, but for now, that's all we have to trade on. We ended up closing lower with July Kansas City wheat down 11 and three quarters, 633 and a half. July wheat down nine and a half, 637 and a quarter. Not much direction in the corn market. We were fractionally higher. March corn up three quarters, 553 a bushel. September corn up a quarter penny, 483 and a half. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 11 cents, 324. March crude oil up $1.15, a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 110 points, 31,632. The Nasdaq down 80, 13,967. The S&P 500 unchanged at 3,932. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. My prayers go out to everyone around Texas who are working hard to keep Texas agriculture moving forward in the face of all of this adversity. Thanks so much for what you do. I really appreciate it. Be sure to join us tomorrow. We'll be right back here to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.